good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. However, we are reaching you. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Crime at the Family Table. Um, we are on episode five um, of season two, and I am so excited to be here with you guys this week. Um, everything that's been going on in the media, we. I'm kind of working on a way to compile things and give updates and stuff. So I will handle that next week and next week's episode of doing some current event type of stuff. So please bear with me. Um, other than that, we will just complete our episode for the day. Like I said, we're going to have a pretty long season this season. Instead of like our 10 episode season, we're going to, I'm going to be recording 15 episodes. So, yeah, so we have 10 more episodes uh, from this. So that means we have like two and some change months left to go. So, um, our last episode should be sometime in October. And then we're going to be taking a, a little bit of a break uh, for. Um, no like october into november and then we should be working on other things okay so i will keep you guys posted so please be ready for all of that um and i wanted to give you guys an update that Alyssa had the baby yes um little baby boop is here um she is healing up family is doing great uh, in case you guys were wondering, and she sent you guys all her love. So, without further ado, let's get into our episode. Um, so, one of the things that is crazy about this episode is that it just has you questioning, like, how depraved can one person be? And that's not a question for, you know, for us to answer. That's, I guess, a question for the universe. How fucking crazy can one person be and depraved? I guess we're going to figure that out today. All right. So, Stacey Caster was born July 24th, 1967 in Clay, New York. Um. Not much is known about her childhood. She's not, you know, we don't know about any, you know, crazy events or anything significant. But what we do know is from what her mother says is that Stacy was very intelligent and, you know, had big dreams outside of Clay, New York. She was going to be something. One of the things that she used to say was like, she was going to either be like in the law or being a paralegal. And her life was just going to be outside of clay by any means necessary. However, those dreams were never realized. As when she was 17 years old, Stacey um, married who she calls the love of her life, Michael Wallace. Now, Stacey, you know, 17, young and pretty impressionable in a sense, but you know, She's 17, like she really doesn't know much, but it seems like love is is in the air and, and budding between these two young people. Um, 
her and Michael were described as just a loving and adoring couple. Um, Stacy describes five minutes into meeting Michael, she knew that he would she would marry him, and those dreams she surely did realize. Um, in 1990, her and Michael were married, and her mother describes the marriage as, as a strong one, with Stacy being very happy in her marriage. Um, it didn't seem to be anything like significant going on. They were they were just a young couple. Um, later on, uh, Stacy and Michael would become the parents of two little girls, Ashley and Bree. Um, Ashley is the oldest, and Bree is the youngest. And they are just, you know, happy and love and creating life and creating this life together and this family together. And everything pretty much seemed perfect. Like, you know, they had, two, they had jobs, they were working. Um, Stacy loved motherhood. She loved being a mom. It was it was something that she definitely dived into, like head first like she was ready she she just being a mom was what she wanted and her marriage like seemed stronger than ever to the outside looking in it seemed like her and michael could not be beat like they they had a great marriage i mean it wasn't perfect by any means but like to all accounts it seemed happy however there were cracks that were beginning to form in this perfect picture as family that people saw. So one of the big complaints was that Stacy had was that Michael drank a lot. Like Michael was a heavy drinker. He was doing drugs. Um and it was it was really bad and really bad for them as his drinking problem and drug problem was significant because they were broke. Like they had no money. It was it seemed like no matter how they looked at it, even though these two people were two full-time jobs, Stacy as an ambulance dispatcher and Michael as a mechanic, they just never had any money. And with a growing family, it seems, that is just not the best way you want to go about it. So if things couldn't get any worse, they did. Michael began to get sick. So, um... During like the winter time of 1999, um, Michael was getting ridiculously sick. Like he, you know, I mean, of course he was drinking. He was probably working his ass off full-time job, trying to support a family with his wife. You know, his body was being worn down. Like he, he just didn't seem to be anything that could be done like to you know make this any better to relieve the stress because he was responsible for his family um him and stacy were responsible for this family and they had to keep it afloat and you know with the drinking on top of that could not have made his body stress any any better i mean anybody could see that you know michael was trying his best as the best he could but it just doesn't seem like it was um much that we could know about like how the illnesses first started like what were the signs um but we do know like at its peak and worse is that ashley saw her father being sick 
she said that like you know he threw up across the coffee table and he was just sick as a dog and then he just after throwing up like like would seem like buckets of throw up he passed out and went to sleep and he just never got any better like he just stayed sick and he complained about being not feeling well um to his doctor and stuff like that like it and it just didn't seem like any answers could be given and if things couldn't get any worse they did in january 11th of 2000 michael wallace died from an apparent heart attack the kids were gutted i mean brie seemed to be um michael's you know the apple of michael's eye and ashley was very close to her mother but still loved her father like deeply um they were just completely just shell-shocked by his laws and you know his family questioned a lot of this like they were like what like how could he possibly have had a heart attack like by all accounts before this incident he was relatively healthy like there were no signs of heart attack but Stacy was just not like Stacy was just not going to listen as the wife she had the right to say yes or no to autopsy and she decided that Michael wasn't having no autopsy if the doctor said he had a heart attack Michael had a heart attack and she was just going to go by that she was just going to pack it away put him in the ground and go on with her life like they were just going to pick up what part of their life they had left and move forward it was no point for them to dredge up things uh just to appease this family it seemed um and and that they did stacy and her daughters moved forward as best they could i mean as best you can losing your father when you're really young and you're you need your dad like you want to go to daddy door dances and you're used to seeing your father when you come into the house or father tucks you in tells you stories you go out to do things together he picks you up from things like that are missed you know things are surely felt by by these children like that you cannot even imagine like his loss was profound well at least for them Stacy seemed to go be going pretty well. So after Michael's death, we find that Stacy got had a life insurance policy that gave her like fifty five k in life insurance benefits, and she seemed to you know use that money for her and her kids to just move on. I mean, she wasn't uh, getting out millions of dollars in life insurance by any means, but it was a nice little something, um, nice little bit of money for her and the kids to, you know, move on, pay the bills, do things that they needed to do. Cause I'm sure with being like as broke as they were that, you know, 55,000 felt like an endless supply of money because it, things that they couldn't do, they can now do more comfortably because they had this little nest egg of money and that wasn't all stacy seemed to be hit by cupid's bow not long after michael's death so a year after michael died um stacy meets david castor through her boss um at the as being an ambulance dispatcher so michael seemed to be pretty well off he's a little older 
than um than Stacy and he had, had a grown son so her girls were pretty much just like the girls that like the kids that were around and her and David like hit it off like she describes David as this protective and loving person who she's who she seemed to see as her knight in shining armor she felt safe with David David made her feel so loved and protected that she just couldn't help falling in love with him. Um, but it didn't seem like her kids felt much in love with him. But that didn't matter to Stacey. Um, two years after their first meeting, her and David were walking down that aisle in a beautiful ceremony. Um, and it seemed that, like, you know, things were going to go right from there. Like, everything was seemingly going in order she found love again her kids had somewhat of a father figure in their life as resistant as they were to this father figure being around they things were mellow things were definitely definitely mellow like you could definitely tell that this was a stability that she wanted in her life and her kids life david had more money than uh, michael they were definitely more well off and the kids were able to just be the kids in the house because David's son was like older. He was out of the house. He was grown, didn't have to worry about him, but the kids did not really align with him though. So it seemed that the resistance came from this idea, like, you're not my dad, like you're not my dad. And David, he wasn't this bubbly loving, like sweet, sweet as, as, um, apple pie guy either david seemed to not be all like keen on everything either but he was never like abusive or anything he was never like verbally abusive but he was an author authoritative person in his home so what he said went like it was his way no way and he was very much by the books type of guy and the girls were resistant of that, but he did not mistreat them. Like he didn't mistreat them. And it seemed that there was some care that grew. Like even though there was resistance, there was a caring nature to what he did. Like at the end of the day, he, he didn't hate them. He just wasn't, he, he wasn't trying to be their dad. He wasn't trying to replace their father. He was trying, he was the man that was going to be in their life. And this is just who he was like he has a grown kid like you're just young kids like he's not trying to be all buddy buddy goo goo gaga in your face he, it is just what it is i mean however you guys may feel about that is whatever i know personally if my mom dredged up an authoritative man into my life after my father died who i basically watched die in front of me um i don't know if i would be okay I don't know if I would be all happy, go lucky in his face and uh, really reveling in, in whatever my mom got going on. But things went on. The marriage went on. Things, um, things like didn't, there wasn't anything that had really been happening like their marriage was pretty regular like you know it wasn't you know the partridge family by any means but it definitely was a family 
But again, it, it seems like Stacy could not catch a break. And on August um, 2005, Stacy made a frantic 911 call to um, in regards to her husband, David. So David was, had been, according to Stacy, locked in his room for 24 hours. She had not seen him. He hadn't went to work. He was just not he was not coming out the room she had basically no understanding of what was happening like he had just left and went into the bedroom upset and took a bother of of southern comfort with him and and just and just stayed away like it seemed like he didn't want to be bothered and things were going on before that we we do know that david had his father had passed away and that was very significant to him he david loved his father and you know of course losing your parent is never easy so maybe you do want to take some time alone being in your in your room and just without all the hubbub of being a husband for a little day or so um but it was getting weird like she was locked out of the room she couldn't get in and uh, when Stacy was talking to the dispatcher, she said, "Like I thought he was sleeping, like on it. Like I just pretty much thought he was sleeping." She said, "It was just times where, like, I like I kind of I could hear him sleeping. Like maybe she heard him snoring or whatever that he was fine in there. Like, but when he just didn't, she had went to work, came back, and that room was still locked. And it didn't seem like he had been in any part of the house. So." She was concerned. Officers did come to the house. And sadly, when they broke down the door, um, David Castor um, had died. Um, David Castor was found in his bed. Um, It seemed like he died just um, of apparent suicide. Um, There was no suicide note. But it just seemed like with everything at that time that was going on, that David really did not have the best mental state going on. Um, while at the crime scene, um, because right now, like even though they, they do think it may have been a suicide, they are still going to investigate just to be sure, just to dot their I's and cross their T's and make sure everything's all together. But while at the crime scene, um, which is David and Stacey's bedroom, they find two um, glasses on the nightstand. Um, one that is pretty much um, empty, but then like, but has like a little bit of like brown liquid in it, which you can assume is the Southern Comfort glass. But then there's another glass. And the other glass has this greenish cloudy liquid in it. And it was very strange. So... And then as they go um, uh, around the house, they find this same greenish liquid coming out of a syringe-like, um, a syringe-like, um, or my bad, so that not syringe, a turkey baster. So it's in the turkey baster in um, the in the ki- in the kitchen um, trash can. And inside of the syringe, it, I mean, inside of the turkey baster is alcohol. And what we do know is, is that that liquid is antifreeze. The greenish cloudy liquid is antifreeze. So 
that and alcohol was mixed in in the turkey baster and that is also what was in the cup they do find that the antifreeze bottle is underneath the bed and and like that's where and that's where it seemed like all the evidence was like so the question becomes like did david kill himself using antifreeze like I mean, it's quite, like, honestly, like, you can think of it like, maybe, maybe. And when they ask Stacy, Stacy gives um, an explanation for this. She says that she believes that David committed suicide because of the loss of his father. He drank himself into a stupor in order to have the courage to commit the final act uh, from depression. Um. However, those close to David did not believe this. Um, David did not seem suicidal to them and and they just were not going to allow that to be his memory that he just killed himself um, when it just doesn't seem like that is just true. Like it just doesn't seem to them like that would just be any type of David's personality. And let me just say this. We all can believe certain things about people. We can all say like, oh my God, like just never be him, but you don't know anybody's deeper inner thoughts, feelings, emotions. And you can't necessarily say that. However, um, they weren't the only ones that thought this. Investigators did not believe that David committed suicide either. Um, but it wasn't going to be as easy as a case to understand. So for two years, Detective David Spinelli um, of the O-N-O-N-D-A-G-A Sheriff's Department um, investigated from 2005 to 2006 um, all of what was going on, like what, what could have been possibly happening, trying to keep this investigation alive so it just didn't close on a suicide when it just doesn't seem like nothing about this was giving, oh, I, he committed suicide. So, but during this time, Stacy, I guess, just didn't have no time for whatever. She collected $300,000 of money, uh, all of which was left to Stacy and her and her two daughters, but none of the money was left to David's son, which was very strange because it didn't seem like him and his son had any problems or um, rifts in their relationship. It just seemed like Stacy and her kids were getting the money. And that just didn't seem right. It would seem like somebody like David, as much as authoritarian as he was, he did have a care for those daughters. And it would seem like in any way, like the daughters may get some money and like his son but I would not, I would not, he would not just completely cut his son out of his, out of his money. Like, that's just ridiculous. But Stacy didn't care. Stacy collected that money and went on to spend. And when I say spend, I mean spend. I mean, yeah, like she had to bury David. She had to get, you know, get his things in order and, and all of that. Yeah, she had a nice house to keep up in order. So she she didn't have time for all that was going on with people questioning her and asking all these questions. I mean, sure. In her mind, David committed suicide. And that is what it is. 
if anybody has questions about it, they can ask the local, the local pathologist for all she cared. So, but while they were investigating David's case, Benelli could not help but find the link between Michael and David. Like, this woman, Stacey, has two husbands that that die under crazy circumstances. One, like, pretty much in optimal health, no other signs of any of this stuff going on before they died. Like, they just died. And it, it's just crazy. Like, so, but... But before they could really say anything and make these connections, they had to figure some things out. So the, what they had to figure out is if, did Michael die also from antifreeze? Because if Michael also died from antifreeze, then that's the clear connection. If both men die from antifreeze, then we have no other understanding because how do both husbands die from antifreeze? But the only way to figure that out was to exhume um, Michael's body. So for all of those wondering, so for antifreeze, when it gets into the body, it basically crystallizes inside of your organs. Like it's tearing your organs up and it crystallizes. And those crystals last in the body for, for several years. So they don't break down immediately upon decomposition. So when Michael was buried, if he does have those crystals inside of his body, you can just say that, like, they don't even need to test them. Those, just those crystalline are antifreeze. Like, that's the, is very few things that would do, do that inside of your body. And they would be like that greenish, bluish hue of the, um, of the liquid. So, they proceed to, um, exhume um, Michael's body and they perform an autopsy on September um, 5th of 2007. Like I said, this case took a quite a long time to get, get itself together and get up and moving. So, and lo and behold, antifreeze was, was all throughout Michael's organs and police finally had the link between Michael and David's um, Michael and David's um, death. Um, that neither of them, one wasn't just some random heart attack of natural causes, and the other one damn sure wasn't a suicide. But they were both murder. However, they, they still had to look at things a little bit more because they needed a confession. They needed the final nail into Stacey's coffin. Like, I mean, sure. Like, Yes, they had the antifreeze in both of these men's systems. Like, what are the fucking chances that both of your husbands are going to have antifreeze in their system? You're not... It's slim to no other chance that that, that they're going to have this this crystal crystallization in their bodies. <laughs> and both have antifree and then one is has antifreeze by their um by their nightstand and in their body and one commits suicide with antifreeze like that's just not common that's just not and and whatever stacy could try to convince herself of 
is if like you know even she couldn't talk her way out of a paper bag and we're gonna find that out in a minute but there's no way that she could think that that would make sense like why would one husband take antidepressants and the second husband you just have really bad luck with men if they both have to take antidepressants to just to just leave this earth like that's just not a thing um so because um they are going to look further into stacy they decide to install cameras and and wiretap her phone um just to see like what is up with stacy is what's up with stacy and she finds out via in a phone call at one point that they have exhumed michael's body and that she does go to the grave site literally hours after um they exhume his body so she found out that they exhumed his body and they don't need her permission at this point like they're investigating this case so she's realizing that they're connecting that dots are starting to fucking connect and stacy is not looking like sweet old stacy that just seems to have bad luck it's just not happening and she cannot get the investigators to believe that so on september 7 2007 stacy sits down with police officers and let me tell you if there is someone who is just bad at being investigated by police stacy is your girl so the police sit stacy down and they're just asking hey girl just just tell us what's good what's up like tell us what what happened like in regards to david and the scene that you found and things like that just tell us what happened and stacy well she got a little clamory clammy during this time so stacy begins to explain well 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 when i poured the antifree I mean the cranberry juice and then she abruptly stops and investigators the detectives were just like huh okay girl and like they just listening to this woman and you gotta see the face like that she makes like she's been stomped up and they didn't do anything like they're just asking her to describe what happened and she she voluntarily says anti-free and then cranberry juice but then she just stops it she's just like i'm not answering any more questions i'm not doing any of this you guys are trying to set me up i don't like this and then she just leaves but investigators are just like yeah we got her like we we're she's cracking and we're about to watch the house of cards crumble around stacy i mean but stacy has you know one or two more tricks up her sleeve all right, so September 12, 2007, Ashley um, is at um, her in college. She's at her school, and the police, um, the detectives come over, and they, like, they just, they slip up, quote-unquote, but they really just end up telling her that her father was poisoned with antifreeze. When Ashley hears this, like, she can't even imagine going to class. She's, like, she's just distraught. She's upset. Um, from the news of like what's happening, Ashley calls her mom and tells her what happens. Like police came over, they said dad was poisoned. What's happening, mom? Da, 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 da. And her mom's like, "Oh my god, calm down, it's okay." Like she's being this mom. Mind you guys, like all of this is being recorded because her phone is still freaking wiretapped. It's still tapped. So, 
Stacey is just like telling her, they're like, hey, we've had a really long day. We've been drained. Come home um, and we'll just have a drink. Now, Ashley is not 21 at this point. She's like 19, 20, and she is young, and she's just like, okay, like, I, I'm having a really long day. This is my mom. She understands. Like, she's just like, she's just like, we're just going to figure this all out together. Like, what's happening? Like, she's confused, but, you know, her mom's her favorite person. Like, Ashley and Stacy are like thickest thieves. They've always been very close, and it's perceived that the reason why they are as close as they are is because Bree seemed to be a daddy's girl, and Ashley grab and Stacy just gravitated to Charles Ashley. So both kids had a parent that was for them necessarily. Um, so Ashley was just like, "This is my mom, my best friend. I'm just gonna, you know, have a drink with her, calm down because my nerves are just so wrung out." And Stacy, you know, pours Ashley a drink like she whips her up something and Ashley then passes out she says I don't even remember how this happened but I, I got I woke up and I was in my room and she was just like hung over like so she just was probably like oh my god like I'm never drinking again as we all have said because this liquor has like like it just tripped me out like I was completely just gone and I'm guessing that Ashley had to go to school the next day. So she goes to school, but then her mom says, hey, want to get like, let's have another drink tonight. I mean, you're about to be 21 soon, whatever. Let's just celebrate. You'd like have an early celebration and we'll, and we'll just, you know, cause we've had just, just everything has just been happening. We've been going through so much, like the detective stuff, like it's just culminating to Ashley, like, hey, she needs. She needs this time for her and her mom because things are just wrecking havoc on their lives. But this time is worse than others. On September 14th, Bree finds Ashley um, barely breathing in her bedroom. And she tells her mother, like, please call 911. Call 911, please. Like, like Ashley's like, Ashley's not breathing. And Stacy um tells dispatch when she's on the phone with 911 that her daughter had a bottle of vodka and took pills. Um, Brie in this time finds a letter in Ashley's room, which seems like a suicide, a, a suicide letter, which was typed up. And in this letter, we find the craziest thing. So in this letter, we seem to find that Ashley who is supposedly the writer of this letter um, because it's a parent suicide letter that, she, that she, she's admitting to killing both her father, Michael, and her stepfather, David. And then she's saying that I'm taking my own life because I am, I am responsible for their deaths. And, you know, Stacy is making sure that dispatch under like is told this like they're making sure they understand like she wrote a suicide note St like actually it's a suicide note oh my god she's confessing but police ain't all the way <laughs> believing any bullshit that's coming out of Stacey's mouth so and they're just moving past it so 
they arrest Stacy. Um, during this time, Ashley's in the hospital. She wakes up in the hospital. Investigators are around her bed. Not her mom, not her sister, but investigators. And she sh- and they're just like, yeah, girl, did you commit suicide? Like, we found a suicide note. She was just like, no. <laughs> she was like, what? Like, I did not, like, I would just not kill myself. She's like, my mom gave me alcohol. Like, she asked me to come drink. Like, and why would I commit suicide? I don't even take medication. So what we find out is that Stacy basically is drugged Ashley for a couple of days. Like she basically is, she's been trying to get Ashley in a compromising position in order to fulfill this story. And Ashley is just effed up about this. Like she is so like it's all connected. Like her father being poisoned, David's death, her, what's happening with her. She is coming with the realization that her mom is like pure evil. Like her mom is like the worst person in the world. But Stacy, she's going with the same old tried and true story. She's saying that you know. Ashley, she 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 did it. She wrote, she typed it up, and she she did it. And I'm going to prison for what um, Ashley did, and I, I I don't feel that that's right. And da da da. And and when she goes to trial, like she keeps just trying to like persuade people to believe this. Like, yes, they were poisoned, but they weren't poisoned by me. It clearly was Ashley, and no one's believing this shit. Except for her mother. Stacy's mom seems to believe the sun and the moon and the stars rise up out of Stacy's behind. Because she's just like, yeah, like, Ashley did it. Like, and this is her grandchild. But I guess, like, she's just like, yeah, she's my granddaughter, but this is my daughter. So she just does not care. And it, it, it's wild. Like, you know, Ashley goes up on, like, the impact statement just says like my mom is my was my best friend i could not believe that she would do this and try to frame me and and stacy just cannot look at her like she's just not looking at her it's not and and in my opinion it's not guilt it's not guilt she's not looking at her because she just knows like her goal was that ashley would die she was hoping that, hoping that Ashley would die from 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 being from alcohol and drugs, but what ended up happening was her worst nightmare. Like basically, Ashley was her nail in the coffin. Like she put her own nail in the coffin and buried herself. And it's so freaking crazy that you you know Ashley and Bree like they just like they talk about like how. They love their mom, but they just can't be around her. And they just, just hate her. Like, it's just like this, it's like this love-hate thing. Because, you know, she just, she did this to them. She destroyed their family, destroyed their lives. And it's just effed up. Um, and it just, it doesn't even make sense, that, like, how disgusting this woman would go. Like, how depraved she really is. So... The biggest thing, um, the biggest thing we can take away is that we have a woman that, not for the love of anybody, but for the love of herself, just 
did not want her husband around. And and it seemed like for Michael, it was more so of a, it, it kind of became a financial thing of why she might have gotten rid of him. Like 55K is not a lot, but it's enough. And then she could kill two birds with one stone where she could just get rid of him and keep the kids and, and get some money and go about her life. The other part with David is David has way more money. He has probably properties and things like that. And 300K is a whole lot more than 55K. So she's going to wreck it up and go about her business and probably find herself another husband. And and Ashley was just collateral damage for that. And, you know, it's crazy because I think that she expects that the story is much more believable because she's just like, this is my baby girl. Why would I do this to you? I love you. That like so it it it, it rises in that story is that she's trying to get people to believe like well, well Ashley's my like why would I harm her? We were so close. But it just makes it even worse because you're just like why would you harm her? She loved you so much and you just said fuck it for my own reason for me to be free. I'm gonna have to because she had to create another person. She had to create another plausible person and who would be the plausible person who would be old enough see like at the time of michael's death brie would have been very young and and for david like she still would have been young but it would have been like okay she would have been a little older but ashley would have was, was sending the perfect age range around that time to be quote-unquote able to do that and it's just so effed up because as she basically saw her father dying before her eyes and her mother just just said well well not only am i going to traumatize you by having you watch basically watch him die i'm also going to try to get you put in prison for the rest of your fucking life but the jury did not believe shit that stacy was putting down nothing not a nothing and Stacy received 55, 50 years in prison. Um, and she, you know, was sent away. Like, she still stood by what she believed was true is that Ashley was the murderer and that she's going to prison for no goddamn good reason. Um, but Stacy always with the trick up her sleeve. Um, or was this comeuppance? I don't know. But in 2016, um, Stacy does die in prison from an apparent heart attack. Isn't that crazy? So we don't really know what's going on with Ashley and Brie. Um, up until she died, we pretty much know that they did have no contact with um, Stacy while she was in prison. Um, and they've just been trying to probably piece their lives together. I mean, they lost two people in their lives and their mother was just the, the pinnacle of freaking evil and they just have to go about everything. And, and, and it just seems like what they said in the beginning of, of Stacy having these motherly, like she just was made to be a mother no, she wasn't. She was just not, she was somebody that wanted bigger and better for herself, but her kids were an accessory to her, not necessarily a love for them. Because any mother who tries to harm her kids and 
you know, harm others in such a way only to get their needs met is not a good person. Like, Stacy is not a good person. She's not a... She's not a great mother. She's not a good wife. She's not someone who loves people. She's someone who will sell you your ass upstream as long as her ass can get off. And and in reality, she got what was coming to her. I wish she would have served every bit of 50 years and, and saw those 50 years through. And as she got old and decrepit and, and aged in there and as prison wears your body down. But it just doesn't seem like that that was to be her journey um i do hope that ashley and brie are doing very well i do wish um them peace and healing um and and to stacy's mom i don't know if she's alive still girl get a grip your your daughter was evil get a grip get a grip your daughter was evil. Your granddaughter didn't do anything. She was a child. Your your daughter had the means of opportunity, and she was the one who served to gain a lot from the deaths of those two men. Not not Ashley. So, yeah, girl, you either get right with your granddaughter or not, but just leave her alone. Let them go about their their life. Um, it's a, no real understanding of if um. If like the three hundred thousand was still available to Ashley and Bree, it's not really understood if like you know that money ended up kind of being used for Stacy's trial in a sense, like she used it to pay for her lawyers. So you know it's easy to be- under- believe that like that money probably is not anywhere around. And I do feel bad for David's son. I don't know his name, but I hope him peace and healing in this time because he lost his dad to the absolute succubus black widow of Stacy Casper. And I wish, you know, all those that deserve healing in this time to get healing. And Stacy, girl, I hope it's warm in hell. Real hot. Real, real hot. All right, everybody. That is all I have for you today. So thank you guys for tuning in to this week's episode of Crime at the Family Table. Um, this was a great episode to film. It was pretty short, so not too long. I, um, I'm trying to keep the episodes uh, pretty compact and concise. So that way I'm able to do as 15 episodes that I need to do. So expect some of these to be a little more shorter form. So... All right, guys, I hope you guys really enjoyed and please have a wonderful rest of your week and I'll see you guys next week. Bye.